Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up? This is Rich. Welcome to My Take Radio, episode 60.5, recorded over a period of days starting from Thursday, September 30th, all the way through um, actually finishing touches today, Monday night, October 4th, 2010. Um, Definitely a huge departure from my regular shows. I'm not going to go into all the segments and all the stuff I cover. I just want to touch on a couple of talking points that have happened over the last few days. Um, One of the things, the reasoning for no show last week was because there was a New York Comic Con meet and greet at Times Square, and of course myself, Slick, and Bronx uh, decided to head down there and, you know, promote My Take Radio Network with a couple of other bloggers and comic fans, and also see what New York Comic Con had to offer for the first time that we're covering it as press. Um, we ended up meeting up at Midtown Comics, one of the best comic stores in the city. They have such a huge amount of stuff there. Um, if you haven't been to New York and you plan on stopping through, I definitely recommend if you're a comic fan uh, to stop by Midtown Comics. They have some really kick-ass statues and really great movie props for sale. Prices are definitely out there, but the quality of stuff they have is top-notch for sure. Nonetheless, we met up at Midtown Comics and headed to the Dave & Buster's location at 42nd Street. And when we got in there, I'll be 100% honest with you, I don't think I fit the typical nerd stereotype with the, you know, with the comic shirts and the bad B.O. and the, you know patchy skin and blah 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 it's really terrible that that's the uh, expected look of a comic nerd so to speak myself slick and bronx are all very neat very clean um and we we get in there there's there's a wheel for a raffle which we signed up for they were giving away a venom bust and a couple of other little trinkets as well as New York Comic Con shirts and they were promoting some movies there one of which is Monsters which I will be putting up a trailer sometime this week and hope to be meeting with the director at the New York Comic Con to discuss his project in addition to that they were promoting a movie called Rubber which if you've heard previous episodes is a movie about a sentient tire that comes to life to kill people I'm not even fucking kidding. The tire comes to life and proceeds to kill people. I don't know the specifics of the plot. I just know that the tire comes to life and goes around flinging itself at people and killing them. Of course, they were promoting that gem as well, and we were given to tie into the movie a rubber. And for those of you not versed in that sort of lingo, a rubber meaning condoms. So they were using condoms to promote a movie about a homicidal tire that went around killing people. Of course, we had a good laugh about it, and we navigated our way through the sea of uh, B.O. and just 
bad hygiene that is some of the people that were there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not using it as a blanket statement, but I definitely got to tell those of you that are nerds and proud of your nerd stereotypes, please, please invest in deodorant. It's it's not even me saying it to be shitty. I'm just saying it because, look, you're there. People don't want to smell your personal fucking funk. I sure as hell don't, especially when you have to navigate through a crowd to go and find a table. It's just, it's fucking terrible. A little water, some fucking baby powder, um, some sure deodorant, it goes a long way. Some lotion, just just general fucking hygiene, people. How the fuck do you guys walk out of your houses just smelling like a bag of fucking wet potatoes and, and dog hair? It, it, it's, it, it amazes me how, how that shit is so prevalent, especially in such a public place like that with, with such a high concentration of people that most didn't know each other. But I will tell you this, when we walked in there, we were definitely out of place for the first few minutes because it seemed that everyone knew each other. Um, like I said, we signed up for the raffle, we took our seats, um, we noticed a couple of, uh, you know, regular hardcore nerds that were there. We also noticed a couple of scantily clad young ladies who were definitely out of place and um, may have just been there to snag themselves a couple of drinks, but... I'm I'm not going to speculate on that, but it was definitely a tad out of place. Nonetheless, we took our seats, they did the raffle, they gave out a Venom Bust, a Saki set, and a couple of other stuff. Ironically enough, Slick, Bronx, and myself all ended up winning um, prizes from the raffle. I ended up getting a Monsters t-shirt from the Monsters film to go with the complimentary condoms that were given out to promote Rubber, the uh, movie about the psychotic tire that goes around killing people. And, of course, Slick ended up getting, I believe, a Dave & Buster's uh, gift certificate, and Bronx also did as well. The only highlights that I do have to say is that people were very approachable. They weren't rude or, or stuck up. I mean, like I said, just some motherfuckers really had some hygiene issues, but it wasn't anything totally terrible because they, they were really pleasant personalities there. We got the opportunity to spread the My Take Radio name and hand out some business cards, let people know a little bit about us. Um, we actually met some, some nice people there. Um, one of the groups of people that we met were a group of young ladies that run a website called Insert Geek Here, which is a, actually a pretty catchy name. They're running it off of blogspot.com, so if you want to check it out, head over to insertgeekhere.blogspot.com. Very, uh, very knowledgeable young ladies. They were very savvy, and you know they were just starting out, and they had a, a lot to offer. They had a wealth of knowledge and were actually pretty cool people to, to speak to during our time there. We didn't really interact with many people, just them and... We also got a um, a poster which Bronx actually took home with him. It was a really nice... It, it looked very similar to Wildcats type of a poster, which was pretty cool looking. The, he ended up actually scoring that. We also got, you know, some Comic-Con swag in addition to the shit we won from the raffle. And like I said, we networked a bit. And overall, it was very cool. I think that the meet and greet um, is going to be something I may do again in the future just because it helps establish a show presence and not only that but you get to meet with more like-minded individuals again I could have done with the terrible body odor because motherfuckers really needed deodorant but again 
it's one of those things that comes with the territory and overall a pleasant experience man so definitely keep an eye out to mytakeradio.com over the coming days for all our comic-con coverage ant will be coming in from pa sometime this weekend i believe it's sunday he should be covering the walking dead panel with slick for those of you that are looking forward to the walking dead show there's going to be a complete walking dead panel and i'm sure these guys are going to have a shitload of coverage for that of course myself Andrea and Slick will be covering Friday and Saturday's activities. There's going to be a ton of shit posted. Um, we're going to try and get as many panels and as many things as we can, plus sound bites and, of course, potential interviews for the show. So definitely keep an eye on that because it's going to be a really exciting weekend. In addition to that, we launched some new forums. You can head over to mytakeradio.com slash forums and join the brand new forums that were launched. Um, they're a little easier, they're, well, they're a lot easier to navigate. You can listen to the show on the forum. Uh, you can gain uh, power level points. You can also have better access to video, uh, things of that nature. It's a bit more user-friendly than the BB Press forum that we were using before. Again, it's just a bit of an evolution for My Take Radio. We will be launching the th- the 3.0 site soon. It's just like I said, a couple of little uh, personal issues have kept that from happening, but I'm hoping to get everything together and launch that uh, before no- before October is out, hopefully. So keep an eye out for MTR 3.0, and that's pretty much going to cover most of the show news. Now, like I said, I'm not really... Uh, chock full of notes this week just because it was such a, uh, a hectic week and there was so much going on. I do want to take the opportunity and jump around a little bit and talk about a couple of things. First off, I definitely want to discuss UFC 119. UFC 119 had a lot of fanfare going into it just because you had the Frank Mir and Krokop fight, which everybody knew was going to be a great fight. You had Chris Lytle and Matt Serra. Overall, just great fights on paper, but I just didn't get the 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 vibe of ordering the fight. And sadly enough, I didn't order it for obvious reasons, and I had some stuff going on. But I did end up catching the fight later on in the weekend, and I want to go through a couple of a couple of the fights on the card. Joey Beltran versus Matt Mitrione was on the Spike TV card, and it was a very good fight, definitely a solid performance from Mitrione. He ended up getting the decision across, uh, across all three rounds. The middleweight bout with uh, C.B. Dalloway and Joe Dirksen. I actually had Dirksen picked. I mean, the guy has a 46-12 and 12 record. He's no slouch. But Dalloway came in there and did his thing, man. C.B. Dalloway took it in round two with a guillotine choke. The heavyweight bout, uh, first opener for the, um, you know, for the late for the Spike t- TV portion was Mark Hunt versus Sean McCorkle. Uh, McCorkle ended up taking it in round one with a Kimura. Uh, the last fight was Pat Audenwood versus Tiago Tavares. Tiago Tavares ended up taking it in round one with a guillotine choke. Let's talk some pay-per-view. First fight. Super excited I was. Melvin Gillard versus Jeremy Stevens. I expected fireworks. Melvin Gillard is 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 a is a serious fucking problem. He's got he's got dynamite in his hands. He's got a a really exciting fighting style. And Jeremy Stevens also exciting to watch. I expected this to be fight of the night honors for sure. Definitely not what I expected. Um, definitely a close round in round one. You know, it was definitely close across all three rounds. Melvin Gillard ended up winning via split decision. 
I definitely felt something was off with Melvin. I don't know if it was just the, the uh, you know an off performance, maybe he had an injury, or maybe Stevens was just being tentative and not trying to get into a slugfest. But definitely not the typical exciting fights I'd expect from either of these two guys for sure. The lightweight bout was with Evan Dunham and Sean Shirk. Sean Shirk is a is a is another favorite fighter of mine. Evan Dunham was coming in 11 and 0. Um, it ended up being Sean Shirk via split decision, which a lot of people booed. Um, a lot of people felt that Dunham ended up taking the fight. You know, it was really close to call for me. I think Shirk definitely took round one. Uh, round two, I kind of had even, and round three, I definitely had for Dunham. Um, you know, that's why you don't leave it in the judge's hands, because shit like that happens, you end up losing, and you don't want to leave anything to chance, you want to go in there and either knock or choke somebody out, so that the win is definitive for sure. The welterweight bout with Chris Lytle and, uh, Long Island's own Matt DeTerracero was another fight I was really looking forward to, and it was, it definitely delivered, it was solid, uh, the only thing was Lytle controlled for all three rounds, there was a lot of great work, um, some really good trading back and forth, I was actually hoping that Sarah would, you know, try and go in and work a little bit more of the jiu-jitsu, definitely more of a striking contest, which favored Lytle, and it was a great fight for sure, Lytle ends up taking it via unanimous decision, 30-27 across all three judges' scorecards. The light heavyweight bout with Ryan Bader and Antonio Ruggiero Nogueira was another fight I was looking forward to. You had Bader coming in with great wrestling. You had uh, Lil Nog with great stand-up. Definitely a nice mix of styles. But Bader came in and just manhandled him for all three rounds using um, some really great wrestling um, to counteract Nogueira's striking. Bader ended up taking it via unanimous decision. Um, Bader, actually, when he was talking with... Joe Rogan said he didn't want to engage much. He wanted more to rely more on his wrestling, which many people consider it um, a gift and a curse. The wrestling, of course, is great just because it keeps the fight m- moving in the wrestler's direction, but it's not as exciting to watch. There's definitely a lot of lay and pray for most people. I feel that me personally, I think wrestling is definitely a cornerstone of MMA. If you're a great wrestler or a great Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner and that's your base, you just build off of that and you can do really well in MMA. The problem is that there's such a huge bias right now for wrestling just because people want more exciting fights and they don't realize that sometimes the MMA fights are, are a chess game. And, you know, you're just waiting for the for your opponent to fuck up before you capitalize. And wrestling is like that. You know, you engage, but there's definitely a lot of countering back and forth before you can capitalize on your opponent's mistake. Some people like that. Some people don't. I am pretty split on it just because wrestling can go either way in MMA. I mean, when Chael Sonnen used it against Anderson Silva, it was really exciting to watch um, just because he used it on offense, as opposed to just trying to get on on the takedown and using lay and pray. Um, Definitely more exciting to watch from that standpoint. I can see where people do get bored with shit like that, but again, it's a cornerstone of mixed martial arts. You either love it or hate it, but don't bitch about it because these guys are going in there and putting their bodies on the line. So for your entertainment and and for your your dollar. So you got to appreciate all aspects of the sport, and I hate when people overly shit on wrestling. Yeah, it's not super exciting, but it is a cornerstone, so you have to appreciate it. The main event, Mirko Krokop, Frank Mir. Again, I expected fireworks. I either expected 
Crow Cop to come in and do some serious head kick damage to Frank Mir, or I expected Frank Mir to use some submissions, go in, try and take the fight to the ground. Fight opened up, Mir definitely taking the first round with um, some, some really great striking. Round two, eh, I kind of judged around 50-50. I mean, there was some some leg kicks by Crow Cop. Um, Crow Cop actually did throw a high kick in that round. And just the crowd was just shitting on the fight by the second round. Third, they dance around a little bit. There was a bit of a clinch, at which point Mir drops Crow Cop with a knee, at which point there was some ground and pound, and Mir ended up taking it via round three knockout. Um, definitely not an exciting fight from either of those guys. I think that Mir was definitely showing Krokop his respect. He didn't want to come in too aggressive just because you can catch a head kick and get knocked out immediately. I don't think Krokop was expecting Mir to totally stand and trade with him. I think he expected him to try and take him to the ground, but definitely not one of the most exciting cards. A lot of people actually complained greatly about it. It it wasn't great, but it was passable. But for me personally, it wasn't worth $45. I mean, it is what it is. You got UFC 120 coming up. That's going to be free on Spike TV. And then at the end of the month, you got the big one, UFC 121 with Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar, of course. Spike TV is celebrating Brocktober this month, and they're going to do a lot of um, events centered around Brock Lesnar, of course, some of his fights. You're also going to get a UFC All Access, and you're going to get a... um, uh, fight special w- with Lesnar and Velasquez where you can get some insight on Lesnar and Velasquez's training leading up to the fight and just learn a little bit more about the fighters leading to their collision at UFC 121. You'll be able to catch that on Spike TV over the coming weeks. I don't have the schedule in front of me because I don't have notes. I apologize. But you can definitely head over to SpikeTV.com or check the guide for your local paper for your local cable provider and you can check out those great events for sure. I definitely want to see the UFC All Access. Um, Brock Lesnar definitely always has been secretive in regards to his training. He doesn't really try to publicize a lot of his stuff. I'm very surprised he's going to give a little bit of insight into his training camp. And I'd like to see it. I mean, personal issues aside of what I think of Brock Lesnar, the guy's a, f- a phenomenal athlete. And his training is always something worth watching because you can always learn a little bit more about someone from their training. And especially after what happened with the diverticulitis scare, I definitely would like to see how much he's changed his training and his nutrition leading into this next fight. Just something personal I'd like to see. I mean, some of you guys just want to see him training like a fucking animal, which is great too. But I just like learning a little bit more about the fighters, especially for... When it was Dan Hardy versus George St. Pierre, I learned a lot about Dan Hardy, how he trained with the Shaolin monks, um, how he studied Kung Fu. Really great insight. I really like the UFC specials when they, that they do leading up to these fights. And if you haven't checked them out, I recommend you find a way to check out, especially GSP and Dan Hardy for sure, um, just to get, like I said, some insight on some of your favorite fighters. So with that, um, I want to get into a little bit of wrestling um, this past weekend was the WWE Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Um, of course, the big stipulation was with John Cena versus Wade Barrett in the Hell in the Cell that if Cena lost, he would join the Nexus. Before I get into that, I'll tell you a little bit about the card. The opening match of the Submissions Count Anywhere match with Daniel Bryan, The Miz, and John Morrison was fantastic. 
definitely great wrestling from all three of those guys involved. John Morrison showing he can definitely be in the upper card for sure. The Miz, consistent as always, and Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan. Awesome from start to finish. We got to see some really great moves there. We got to see a cattle mutilation from Bryan Danielson. We got to see a Texas Cloverleaf out of John Morrison. Really great submission match. Daniel Bryan ended up retaining via submission. The Hell in the Cell WWE title match with Randy Orton and Sheamus. Very good match. Little RKO from Randy Orton on the steps, which looked like it hurt like a bitch. Randy Orton ended up retaining. Um, they ended up setting up an Edge versus Jack Swagger match with a little bit of involvement from Alberto Del Rio. I think it was just thrown together for filler. I definitely can see an Edge and Swagger feud brewing and doing really well on the SmackDown side of things. Alberto Del Rio is definitely coming into his own as a heel. I'm really starting to appreciate him more. He's He's got that nice, arrogant, um, almost Rick Martel quality about him that's really doing a, a kick-ass job and making him a top heel on the SmackDown side of things. So definitely, Alberto Del Rio is a dude to watch for sure. Um, John Cena versus Wade Barrett, of course, was next on the card. It ended up being some interference from two random members, which turned out to be Michael McGillicuddy and, um, uh, what the hell is this guy's name? Fuck, I always fuck up. Uh, Husky Harris. So McGillicuddy and Harris from NXT Season 2 interfered in the match, uh, costing John Cena the victory. Of course, John Cena loses, and he will be becoming a member of Nexus on this week's Monday Night Raw, which I have not watched yet, which is why I'm not discussing it. I will discuss it on Episode 61 this Thursday. The Undisputed Title Match. The Undisputed Divas title match, I should say, with Michelle McCool and Natalia. Uh, definitely a real lackluster match. I expected a little bit more out of Michelle McCool. I mean, she's not the greatest wrestler, but against Natalia, who is um, a really great women's, women's wrestler to watch, I expected a little bit more. Um, Natalia ended up winning via DQ, um, but again, I see Natalia winning the belt soon. They just wanted to keep the belt on McCool. Why? I don't know. She's not that great. But who am I to judge WWE booking? The main event of the evening was the Hell in the Cell world title match with Kane and The Undertaker, who had Paul Bearer with him. Of course, the unexpected quote-unquote happened, and Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker and uh, sided with Kane, of course, costing The Undertaker the match. There was a whole bunch of glowy lightning shit with the urn, which is fucking stupid. Kane ended up winning and retaining the belt. Match was definitely not one of their better outings, considering that the feud was really well done and definitely was making Kane look strong leading into the pay-per-view, but the payoff match, not what I expected. I actually thought that it was one of the weakest matches on the card. That's your Hell in the Cell report. Um, I will be discussing Raw this week. I will also be discussing The Ultimate Fighter this week. Um, a couple of movie news. Uh, Zack Snyder was selected as the director of the upcoming Superman movie. Well, the Superman reboot with uh, Christopher Nolan involved in production and Zack Snyder. I will give my take on that this Thursday. I just wanted to say that 
a lot of people were kind of shitting on the concept. Zack Snyder did a really great job with Watchmen, and I felt that even though it's a mixed bag for most people, Watchmen was very true to the book, and I think that if Zack Snyder's going to do it, he's going to definitely do a lot of dialogue-intensive stuff, but staying true to the book, and he will make sure to add some good action in there, which is what we need. I think that one of the main gripes with Superman Returns was that there wasn't much physicality, much involvement of Superman and the bad guys. It was just him being fucking emo, and the kid, and Lois Lane, and Lex Luthor fucking conning old ladies, conning old ladies out of their money. Not the, not, not the right way to do shit. Honestly... Some people are saying that Kevin Spacey was the weak point in that movie. Others people, other people were saying that, you know, the costume change and just a complete departure from the standard Superman mythology was to blame. I personally think Kevin Spacey was trying to do his own interpretation of Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. It was okay. I definitely think it was a weak point. Brandon Routh was not a bad Superman. I think that the costume change did not help him out at all. I think that keeping the standard Superman costume, which everybody knows, should have been the way to go. If I were directing it or if I were doing anything, I definitely would focus on characters like General Zod, uh, Bizarro, Metallo. I wouldn't want to go the dark side route, but you can even go, at least you can do General Zod, Lex Luthor, maybe involve Bizarro in there just as a as somebody that Superman can can fight, you know, on on a more physical plane. Don't try and throw Doomsday in there or any of that crazy shit. There's so many decent characters you can work with. Metallo, like I said, Bizarro, Parasite you can go with. Uh, Mr. Mitzelplick may go into the realm of too silly of a villain, so definitely Zod would be good. Um, no Doomsday, no Darkseid, because Darkseid is a character that you need at least, at least three movies to build up to his character, because there's a lot of backstory and a lot of, of stuff with Darkseid that you can't cram into one movie, but I think a character like Zod and Lex Luthor would be fitting, and like I said, you could throw in a henchman in there like Bizarro, and... It would work well. I think that when they try to reinvent the wheel with Superman, it ends up doing more harm than good. See Superman 4, the quest for peace with the creation of Nuclear Man, which was fucking stupid. I think that the Superman 2 with uh, General Zod, with the with the always awesome Terrence Stamp, was one of the better outings just because you had a really great villain who can meet hand-to-hand with Superman uh, in, in terms of physicality, which is always cool to watch. Lex Luthor always should be at least involved to some degree. It's just a matter of what you want to focus the movie on. So I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how Zack Snyder does it. I mean, like I said, some people are definitely complaining, oh, it's going to suck, blah, blah, blah. Let's use the wait-and-see approach for that. Um, another bit of news that came out this week was Emma Stone uh, from Easy A and a slew of other teen angst movies has actually been cast as Mary Jane in the upcoming Spider-Man movie. Not the mo- not the worst bit of casting ever. I think that they definitely wanted to go with somebody younger who works for cheap that they can sign to at least three motion pictures. That way you get a young girl. She ages good. She works cheap. She's a decent actress. And you got your Mary Jane for the franchise. I'm still not sold on the guy that's playing Spider-Man. I I have my own issues with that, which I will definitely discuss over the coming weeks. But the Emma Stone casting, not the worst thing I've heard. Um, I heard rumors about 
Venom being involved, and uh, that too will be discussed Thursday because I can't give it the proper respect it deserves, but definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. I mean, the Emma Stone casting, not terrible. I really am looking forward to hearing who they're casting as the villain and what direction they're going to go in. Are they going to go back to the Green Goblin since they're doing a reboot? Are they going to go more towards, you know, Ultimate Spidey's villains? (sighs) Again, I'm not totally against the fucking reboot at this point because how much worse can it be? Can it get any worse than Venom in Spider-Man 3? It can, but I'm going to reserve a little, a little smidgen of... A little bit of a, a little bit of uh, control, so to speak, until I see and hear a little bit more about the story. But definitely keep, you know, keep it here for the coming weeks, and I will be discussing it further. Transformers Three is currently filming. Shia LaBeouf says that it will be the best Transformers yet. It will also be his last. I think that Transformers Three needs to go back to the roots of really great storytelling. Yeah, the robot battles are great, but you definitely need a, a little bit more of a, of a decent storyline. You can't go with the paper-thin shit where, you know, that happened in Transformers 2. And then, you know, to cover up the paper-thin storyline, you throw in every Transformer under the sun. Some you recognized, some you didn't, some weren't even named. I felt that that was just done to hide the flaws in the storytelling. And I hope that they take their time with the third one if it's going to be the last movie in the series, just to give a little bit more insight and just to end it on a high note. Again, something I'll be covering in the next few weeks. Um, Spartacus. Huge fan of Spartacus on Stars. Uh, last time I discussed it, uh, the show's filming was being halted and they were going to do a bit of a prequel, uh, some prequel stories because Andy Whitfield was fighting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, it was recently announced that the lymphoma actually returned and that he was withdrawing from Spartacus. There was an announcement made this week that they will be doing a new lead for Spartacus. Stars made the announcement earlier this week. The studio, of course, wants a Caucasian male in his late 30s to play the smart, intense, passionate part of Spartacus. They need to have a British accent and a willingness to sign a three-year deal. So, with that... It, the only other option was to re- was to halt the production of the series, and considering how many how many people love the series, it was a no-brainer. It was going to be recast. I honestly would have gone in another direction and focused on some of the other characters that had a wealth of storytelling behind them. Uh, Badiatis's Ludus, overall, just just great stories there. You could have focused on on Glaber for a little bit. You could have told the origins of Crixus. You could have jumped around a little bit with a couple of, you know, three or four little episode, you know, episodic miniseries leading up to a new season of Spartacus with a new lead, but obviously they're just going to go with the new lead from Jump to continue the story. I mean, Andy Whitfield did such a great job, but hey man, the guy has has lymphoma, so you you can't complain too much if the recast isn't as good of an actor as Whitfield. Whitfield had great he had really really great chemistry with his co-stars. He conveyed a lot of emotion. He he 
captured the, the tortured fucking story of Spartacus really well, and it's unfortunate that the cancer is, you know, taking his toll on him. I mean, he, he was a good actor. He did a great job. It sucks, man. You know, cancer's a motherfucker, and I really hope that he pulls through and isn't somebody that we'll be reading about in the next few years as succumbing to lymphoma. I, it's just fucking shitty. I can't even describe, you know, the dealing with someone close to you that has cancer because it's it's really indescribable. I'm sure his family is fucking going through hell, not to mention, of course, his co-stars and those that worked with him on production. It's it's crazy that he felt he had a great bill of health, he was ready to rock and roll with a new season, and then it just fucking snuck up on him. So, wish Andy Whitfield the best of luck, and I will be looking forward to the next season of Spartacus for sure. Die Hard 5, no-brainer. Said it a couple of weeks back. Already going to start filming. They said that the uh, the filming for Die Hard 5 was imminent. Bruce Willis said that it's probably going to start coming full circle around 2011. They're going to start shooting it in January. And I'm more than sure it's going to be in 3D. I'm more than sure it's going to be in IMAX. And it's probably just going to be more jokes about John McClane getting older. I'm not totally against the Die Hard movies. They're, they're fun they're a nice 90 minutes to 2 hours of great action with shit blowing up. Don't get me wrong, The Last Die Hard, super far-fetched, super insane with, with jets and flying through highways and him driving a semi and rockets getting shot at it and him not getting blown up automatically. There was definitely a lot of comedy in that just because it didn't take itself seriously as an action flick. But it was a fun movie, so... If it's his last one, I wouldn't mind seeing John McClane's swan song for sure, so... Totally, totally can't shit on it. I, I like the Die Hard movies, sue me. It is what it is. Um, Resident Evil Afterlife continues to rack up in the box office. It's made $154 million internationally this weekend. Um, actually, it made $24 million internationally, and its total is $154.1. That is serious bank one of the most successful Resident Evil movies, and of course it's a no-brainer, we will be seeing Resident Evil 5. I haven't had the opportunity to see it, but you can see the review that Slick did on MyTakeRadio.com. I'm going to try and see it before it gets yanked out of the theaters. I know Social Network was number one this week. I'll be discussing that on Thursday. I want to see that because I've heard really great reviews, especially with all the great placement that it's had on Rotten Tomatoes. Um... You can't hate on the movie. Everybody says it's it's good, it's really deep and well-written. So I'm going to give it a chance, and I'm going to check it out. I did shit on the concept of a Facebook movie initially, but given that it's getting such positive reviews, I'm going to have to go and check it out for sure. What can I say? I you know I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good story, so we'll see how, how well it turns out. Um, in some gaming news, you got Castlevania Lords of Shadow coming out this week, and... What the hell else is coming out this week? Lords of Shadow. I, I think Lords of Shadow is the big release this week. I'm probably totally wrong and leaving out a shitload of titles. Again, like I said, no notes, no scripts, plenty of fuck-ups abound. But nonetheless, I think that's going to wrap it up. I had originally recorded an hour and a half of audio uh, between Thursday and Friday. And the funny thing was, I actually was so exhausted, I fell asleep while recording, and it was just, um, I don't know, about an hour 
of audio and then half an hour of me sleeping, which was definitely strange when you play it back and you just hear the line go dead and then just breathing. I thought that it was some paranormal activity or Blair Witch Project type of shit. So, unfortunately, that that hour and a half of audio was lost also because the file was corrupted. So, this 35 minutes or 40 minutes of show is what I can throw together. I, I did not want to leave you guys hanging, hence my 60 and a half number, uh, 60.5, just because it, it's only half awesome because it's not live. And like I said, I'm just doing it off the cuff. Check out mytakeradio.com. Check out the forums. If you're on Facebook, hit that like button. Show your support. We're almost at 400 fans. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Tune into My Take Radio this Thursday at 11 p.m. And we will be talking about a whole bunch of shit. And, of course, it'll be the lead-in to Comic-Con Weekend, which will be from October 8th, 9th, and 10th. So you're going to be seeing content on MyTakeRadio.com the whole weekend. Um, For those of you that are following us on Facebook, your timelines are going to get a little cluttered. We apologize in advance. But if you want great content, that's what you're going to have to deal with. I'm Rich, you've just heard My Take Radio episode 60.5 for, I guess you would say it's for Monday, October 5th, since I'm wrapping it up now, um, started recording it Thursday, and, uh, that's it, catch you guys this Thursday night, you can also, if you're an MMA fan, check me out on MMA Gospel this Wednesday at 9pm Eastern on the Blog Talk Radio Network, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Gospel. Of course, you can email if you have any questions or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow at MyTakeRadio, or you can follow my personal account at Akuma25. We're going to throw some outro music on. I don't know who it's going to be. I'm going to make sure to add something cool in there for you guys. And again, I'll see you Thursday. Peace.